In today's episode, we have Dustin. He's been doing yoga for over 10 years, and he's here to answer some of the most complex questions that even us as Christians struggle with. Is yoga medically beneficial? And if it is, can we not do it? But is it spiritually damaging and should we avoid it? Stay tuned to find out. What's going on, Dustin? I'm glad to have you here, man. Hey, man. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. Awesome. Hey, so just to kind of kick it off, um, can you please kind of like share your testimony, um, where you come from and, you know, what do you know about Christianity at the time or whatnot? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, so, you know, my background uh, was actually pretty hostile toward Christianity. Um, you know, I for over 10 years, I was kind of wrapped up in the New Age movement. Um, for a lot of that time, I was a um, regular practitioner of yoga, had a daily practice for, for many years. Um, I practiced a traditional form, mostly uh, called Ashtanga Yoga. Okay. Uh, so that's a, a really kind of, like I said, super traditional. Uh, the idea is to practice you know, all eight limbs which is what Ashtanga means, eight limbs. Oh. Uh, and, <laughs> and, you know, and being in, that, in, in yoga for so long, it exposed me to a lot of other things, right? So what started as a, a yoga practice turned into a spiritual lifestyle, got really interested in Eastern meditation, Eastern mysticism, you know, chanting mantras, um, getting into things like crystals and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, I met my wife uh, when we were both, in, in the midst of that, um, we sort of pulled each other deeper into it. It's one of the first things that we really bonded over. And, um, you know, six months into our marriage, uh, the Lord saved me. And then about a week later, he saved her. And, and the way that that happened was, you know, it really, the Lord really started pulling on my heart um, several years ago when I was finishing up college. Um, I got really interested in apologetics started watching, you know, hours and hours of, of debates with, you know, Christian apologists and atheists and, and things like that. And, you know, I was never really an atheist. I always believed that there was some kind of creator. Um, but, I, you know, I guess I was more of a, more of a deist, right? And I felt like I, I couldn't know um, which of, you know, the religions of the world was true, if any of them. And, you know, that makes you really vulnerable to the, to the new age, really, because new age is just kind of, you know, pick and choose what you like. And, right. You know, your truth is, uh, is whatever you want it to be kind of thing. Well, you know, the Lord, uh, you know, used that time um, to teach me the gospel. That's when I first heard the gospel um, really clearly articulated. Um, but unfortunately, I didn't bend the knee to Christ uh, right mm -hmm. at that moment. It actually took a few years after that. Um, but, you know, the thing was, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't put away uh, the person of Jesus. There, there's something special about him, something that, uh, you know, that I just uh, really needed to sort out. And so six months into uh, my marriage, uh, to my wife's utter shock and surprise, <laughs> um, you know, he saved me. And wow. Yeah. The, and the way it happened, actually, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar um, with Stephen Pankars and, and Doreen Virtue. Um, Stephen Bankars had a, a good bit to do with the Lord eventually saving me um, because 
you know, when I was wrapped up in the new age, uh, are, are you familiar with, uh, there's a documentary called Zeitgeist. You ever heard of that? Yes, I have. That was like the, um, one of the biggest deception for a lot yeah. of Christians. Yeah. Yeah. And that, so when I heard, when I was back in, in college and I heard the gospel and, you know, was getting into apologetics, you know, I read, uh, Lee Strobel's A Case for Christ and mm-hmm. all that stuff. So I had these like, you know, great arguments for the historicity of Christ and, um, you know, and, and the gospel message made sense to me because there was part of me that understood that I was a sinner, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, but then I watched Zeitgeist and the way the, informa- the information is presented about Jesus just being kind of a, a copycat of a bunch of pagan deities um, it, it seems like irrefutable the way that he presents it. And looking back, what I would say is I was looking for any excuse to not repent of my sins. Mm. You know, I still loved my sin. I still wanted my, my same old lifestyle. And, uh, and so that documentary sort of gave me an excuse. Um, but then a few years later, you know, when I was sort of soul searching and the Lord was really pulling on my heart, you know, I said, you know, I I never really looked to see if there's an answer to those claims that are made in Zeitgeist, you know, is Jesus really a copy of Horus and, you know, Isis and yeah, Mm -hmm. that's right. And so, you know, I started researching and I find this video from Stephen Van Kars where he just dismantles that argument, you know, Mm -hmm. just, I mean, completely destroys it. And I remember (laughs) after I watched that, it was like a, it really was like a veil just lifted from my eyes. You know, I, I just realized, you know, I made a serious error uh, mm-hmm. a few years back. And uh, then I, uh, I said, okay, you know, if I was wrong about that, let me just kind of go through every reason I can think of to, to reject Christ. And just one by one, um, the answers were so obvious. N- none of them held water at all. Right. And um, really quickly, it, it, it transitioned from being, um, an intellectual issue to a heart issue. I was burdened by my sin. And I remember having this experience where um, I realized that it wasn't just that I had sinned here and there in my life. It was that the only thing I had ever done was sin that, you know, all of my life had been idolatry and lust and all of these things. And the Lord just broke my heart over all of it. And I cried out to him and and, uh, and he saved me, man. I gave my life to him and I haven't looked back since. And, um, and it was, you know, um, it was a, a traumatic time in some ways because I had spent so much time uh, in the New Age movement, so much time deeply entrenched in yoga and mysticism and all these things. You know, man, to be honest with you, I had some strange experiences, you know. Um, yeah. Right after, right after I got saved, um, every night when I would go to sleep, uh, I was having sleep paralysis. Um, it felt like something was, you know, holding me down in the bed and shaking me. Uh, and, you know, to the point where, you know, I, I would, there's one time, you know, I was, me and my wife are sleeping in the bed and, uh, and it happened to me and she literally felt chills just go over my, my whole body. Uh, uh-huh. and, and, it, and it woke her up. And so stuff like that was happening, you know, and, and, and the Lord really used that time kind of as a, refining fire for me, you know, because I was helpless, you know, what, whatever was going on there, um, I, I was helpless and I needed him and I would just pray through it and, and pray to the Lord. And he shielded me from a lot of stuff because, 
you know, when that was happening, I started to research like, what, you know, what do I do about this? Is this normal? Like, does this happen to every Christian or, or you know, people that are coming out of the occult? And, you know, sometimes people that are coming out of the occult and Satanism and things like that, they end up with these kind of things happening. Um, but, you know, the, the hyper charismatics have sort of cornered the market on that conversation. So there's a lot of, oh, you know, just rebuke that demon and all this kind of stuff. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and the, the, the Lord shielded me from that. And so instead of going that route, you know, I went, I went in the, man, I've, I've got to trust the Lord through this and understand that, you know, if I die, yeah, I'm just going to go into glory. So I'm not going to worry Amen. about it. You know, wow. You're going to say something. Um, you said there that you were laying in bed and, and your wife felt chills down her spine. Were these experiences that you felt while you were in the new age? So when I was in the new age, uh, one of the things that I was really working toward is trying to astral project, you know? So do you know what that is? Where it's where you, you know, your, your spirit body leaves your physical body mm -hmm. and you know, you're able to get out and all this kind of, so I was really interested in that. It never happened to me. Um, but what did happen is I, I would, I gained control over my dreams. So I, I had, you know, learned how to lucid dream, um, okay. which is just becoming aware while you're asleep of the fact that you're dreaming and then being able to, you know, have some level of control over the dream state. And a lot of people think that's kind of a precursor to actually exiting your body. So, you know, I was playing around with these kinds of things. Right. Mm. And uh, so in terms of sleep paralysis, though, you know, that had never, that had never really happened to me. Um, so, you know, right after I got saved, like literally the day or the next day was the first time that that happened. And it was disturbing. It really was. Wow. Um, what is it that people say when they find out that you left the new age and you, and you came to Christ? Is there rumors of, well, it, it didn't work for you or... Um, usually like during virtue when she left the uh, new age movement and she came to Christ and she started to do YouTube videos for Christians and Christian material and talking about Christ, people labeled her as a sellout. Are these labels that have been posed on you also? Um, maybe a little bit, you know, I mean, certainly like it, at the time when we were in the, in the new age, I mean, we didn't, I only knew one Christian, uh, at the time. And, and, and actually, you know, she was a big help to us because, uh, with all the stuff that was going on at nighttime, yeah. you know, I, I had so many questions. I didn't really have anyone to, to answer. And so, but, but yeah, I mean, we, we certainly, we lost friendships. We lost, uh, you know, um, I don't know, pe people that we had known for, for a pretty long time. We just, we had to cut ties with, uh, it was, it's one of those things where we understood that, what we were involved in, uh, in, in the yoga community and in, in the new age more broadly was demonic. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we, we couldn't have one foot in the door, one foot out, you know, so we definitely cut, cut ties, uh, yeah. with a lot of people. And, and it was a hard thing to do, you know, and, and there are still some people that we know from that world that, that we do keep in touch with. It's not like we wanted to, you know, just be, be mean to people or, or, mm -hmm. you know, not, not associate with people. It's just, it was such a, it was such a dramatic shift for us personally. Um, we had, we had to take time to, to sort it out, 
You absolutely, know? absolutely. Uh, let's take a step back, actually, and just um, define uh, for those who don't know what is the New Age movement. How will you define New Age for someone who doesn't know what it is? Yeah, it's a little bit difficult to define just because it's so broad. Um, but but you could say that it's a hodgepodge of of religious and spiritual ideas. Um, if you've ever heard someone say that they aren't religious but they're spiritual, um, you know that's that's a, a new well, age. You hear, you hear a lot of Christians say that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, as long as as long as what a Christian means by that is the that, <laughs> yeah, as long as what they mean is that they're not uh, they're not so concerned with you know religious tradition, but they're more concerned with following Christ and and having a personal relationship with with the Lord. Mm. Um, then I get where they're coming from. But most people, when I hear them say that, they don't. That's not what they mean. You know, right? Uh, they mean that. Basically, they want to live their life however they want to live it, um, but they want to pursue some sort of spiritual practices. Um, you know, the Bible says that God has written eternity on the heart of man. And so I think we all have an inclination to, to look for those spiritual or mystical experiences. But in the New Age, what you'll find is uh, it's, it's heavily um, influenced by Eastern traditions. So lots of Hinduism, lots of Buddhism. Um, and, you know, in some cases, they'll even sort of cherry pick from the Christian faith. Uh, they'll take, mm -hmm. they'll, they'll have a version of, of Jesus. It's not the, the true Christ. Um, you know, it's much closer to uh, like, um, you know, Christian science, uh, that oh, wow. sort of, that sort Mary, of thing. Where, where Christ, yeah, that, that <laughs> sort of thing where, where Christ um, came to teach the world how to develop Christ consciousness. You know, oh, okay, that, okay. So yeah, when you that, say when when you say Christian Science, you're not referring to Mary Baker Eddy, are you? I, I'm not. Sh I don't know the the. Is is that the founder <laughs> of Christian Science? Yeah, it's the founder. Yeah. Um, okay. So if you ever see like a a place called Christian Science, um, just keep walking. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's it's that's that whole system is super New Age, New Thought. I mean, Dorian Virtue came out of that, for example. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So when now that we have spoken about what is, or at least try to encompass what the New Age movement is in, is involved with, and I, I always think of it like a, a buffet for those who mm. are not who doesn't know, right? New Age is kind of like this buffet of spirituality. You kind of walk in, you grab a little bit of a little bit of Hinduism, a little bit of Christianity, a little bit of everything, and you kind of put it in your yeah. plate, and you know, you just kind of worship your stomach, right? Because you're about to eat it. Um, so here's a few questions I have that maybe you can expand on. And, and since this is like a dilemma in, in Christianity, I think a lot of Christians find the benefit in doing, in doing yoga or stretches or, or physical therapy. But can a Christian practice yoga while focusing on, on Christ? Yeah, I mean, so certainly there's the idea of Christian liberty, mm -hmm. right? But I think we have to be very, very careful with that. Um, my, my personal answer to that is, is no. Um, yoga, in my view, is not something that can be redeemed uh, and, and reappropriated for the Christian faith. Um, and and the, the reason that I say that is that it's inherently and inseparably spiritual. Um, you know, the, the Bhagavad Gita, which are, you know, some of the, the main Hindu scriptures, actually says there is no yoga without Hinduism and no Hinduism without yoga. Okay, so, so to, to practice yoga is to practice Hinduism. Um, I mean, that's, that's what their own scriptures 
declare. And I think that we should um, believe them <laughs> when they say that. Um, you know, another way that you can see that is that the entire pursuit of yoga uh, fundamentally is a spiritual pursuit. Um, when you practice yoga, which in, in the West, most people think of the, you know, the physical postures, the asanas, um, but yoga actually is much more broad than that. And, and the, the asanas is really kind of just the entry point. Um, and, you know, in the West, most people don't know that, right? And in fact, when I started yoga, I didn't know that either, right? But I quickly learned because you, you get surrounded by people who are deeper in the practice. They're giving you material to read. So before long, I'm reading the yoga sutras and, you know, all these other things. And, you know, so what you find, what you discover is that the, the, the primary purpose of the postures is it's really twofold. It's to, you know, align the body energetically, uh, you know, to align the chakras uh, for the purpose of opening your third eye. Uh, and helping you to see that you are one with everything. So it's a pantheistic worldview. That yoga would claim that you are deity incarnate, uh, and you can, you can be yoked with that deity. You can be opened and awakened to the reality that you're one with it, right? So you mm -hmm. are um, part of the creator, the creator God in Hinduism manifest, right? That is completely and totally, um, you know, opposed to Christianity, uh, the one true and living God. You know, he is, he is the one and only God. He shares his glory with no one. So we should not be dabbling in any sort of practices like this. And the other purpose of, of the asanas, uh, the physical practice of yoga, is to prepare the body for meditation. And this isn't like meditating on the word of God. This is emptying your mind. And so as you do this, as you empty your mind and you align these supposed um, energetic centers, uh, mm -hmm. you're, you're opening yourself up to a lot of spiritual influences. Uh, it's very dangerous. Um, and, you know, Satan disguises himself as an angel of light, right? Some things that look very harmless and even beneficial are actually quite dangerous. And, and yoga falls in that category. I say that just from, from personal experience. Absolutely. I think that um, when it comes to things that are scriptural and then things that are in our present time, we think that things just kind of gone away, right? Like idolatry is a thing of the past. No, it's mm -hmm. still a thing of the present. Um, that hate is a thing of the past or that things of like pharaohs are a thing of the past. No, it, it's still the present. We just have given it a different title. I wanted to read from uh, Deuteronomy 18, um, 9 to 14. It says, when thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God has given thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of these nations. It says learn, right? There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire or that use a divination or an observer of time or an enchanter or a witch or a charmer or a consulter with familiar spirits or a wizard or a necromancer. For all that, that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God, those drive them out from before thee. Verse 13 says, thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. And 14 says, for these nations, which thou shalt possess, hearken unto observers of time and unto diviners. But as for thee, the Lord thy God has not suffered thee so to do. So in other words, these things were wrong before. They're also wrong today. These things have not changed. 
And what we do is we try to masquerade these things in a more modern, innocent look, right? And so idolatry can be found uh, differently, right, before. But today we, we do that with, with cars and, and et cetera. And so when it comes to today, you still have people who try to practice uh, charmers or consultant familiar spirits. And I, I think from my own experience, when I drive and I see a place that practice psychic, they're pretty blunt. They tell you, charmer is available. Psychic, we're open. Yeah. We take debit cards. <laughs> yeah. They're willing to take you in. They're willing to do any sort of medium or any sort of open meditation, guided meditation. Um, as long as you, you give yourself up to them and, and they, uh, you say you're open to it and they walk into your world. And I, I'd say that's an abomination and you have to call it for what it is. Yeah, man, I totally agree. And, you know, um, one of the things that really grieves me is that, you know, both my, myself and my wife, we, we taught these things, right? You know, we, we taught people the practice of yoga. We taught them uh, mindfulness meditation. Um, we taught them these philosophies that, that come along with uh, yogic lifestyle and a Buddhist lifestyle um, and uh, an Eastern mystic lifestyle. Um, and, you know, when, when the Lord saved us, immediately he, he gave us a, a love and a desire for his word. And mm. uh, so my, my wife and I, we started reading scripture together. And um, about, let's, we got saved um, April, about two years ago. And, um, and then after that, that first eight months, we were, we were, we read mostly the new Testament. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we decided at the beginning of, of the year, uh, the following year that we were going to read the entire Bible cover to cover, um, which was a great, great blessing. You know, we, we had, we, I mean, we grew so much, uh, in doing that. And, uh, I remember as we were reading through Genesis and, and we we're reading about the fall, um, my eyes were opened in, in a, in a, in a different way when we, when we read that story, because, you know, what does Satan tell Eve? He says, you know, if you eat of this, uh, the fruit of the tree of knowledge, then what will happen? You will be as God. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what I realized is that in, in yoga, yoga is nothing more than a repackaging of literally the oldest lie in the book. If, If you do this practice, if you have this special spiritual knowledge, you can you can open your, your, your mind, your third eye to this reality that you're really just like God. You're, 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 you're just, uh, you know, God manifest, right? And so that leads to all sorts of new age doctrine, like you're a co-creator, right? So then, then the law of attraction is coming in. I can will things into existence. Why? Because I'm, I'm, I'm God, right? That's, that's right. the doctrine. So as soon as I, as soon as we read that, I remember just being like, man, we literally fell for the oldest lie in the book. And, mm. uh, and, and it literally is demonic. Uh, yoga is demonic. It is. So. All right. Um, so I'm going to play devil's advocate for one second. So here's, um, you know, myself and let's say I'm practicing yoga, but I'm also um, attending church. I'm reading the scriptures. I'm walking with Christ. How is practicing yoga and me having a great relationship with Christ, how has yoga been a hindrance or how can it be a hindrance if, you know, you see a lot of self-proclaiming practitioners of yoga who are Christians or, you know, 
um, so they say, um, are saying, hey, I have a great relationship with Christ. I don't see yoga actually hindering my walk with Christ. I actually see it to be enhancing my walk with Christ. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would obviously doubt that, you know, very much. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, I, I, I think I would approach that in, in a couple of different ways. Um, you know, one would be, you know, for example, um, you know, if we, if we took something other than yoga, right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right. So you say, I'm a Christian, but um, I go to the Buddhist temple and, and meditate there and I have a great relationship with Christ. Well, um, do you, because you're, you're, you're bending the knee to an, another religious system, right? right? Or I have a great relationship with Jesus, but, um, but I also, um, you know, go to the, uh, I pray with, with the, the Muslims at, at their appointed times and all that kind of stuff. Right. right. My point is that it, it's Christ is all or nothing. He, he demands the entirety of us. Uh, right. He shares his glory with no one and, and no mm -hmm. other system. Uh, of, of religious tradition and thought. Now, the other thing I would say, though, is I, I would really encourage that person to prayerfully uh, analyze that situation against scripture, right? And, and I, would, I would say, you know, do you, do, do you love Christ? Are you, are you keeping his commands? Mm -hmm. are, are you prayerfully considering the decisions that you make in your life and seeing how they hold up against scripture? right? Because he is unchanging, right? right? And so when, you know, if you can say, I have a great relationship with Jesus, but I'm in violation of Deuteronomy 18, mm -hmm. right? And that doesn't bring conviction upon you. I think you have great cause for concern, Absolutely. Right? Because the Lord tells us in Hebrews that those who belong to him will be disciplined by him. If we step mm -hmm. off of that, that narrow path, that is the path of salvation, you know, conviction will come. Right. Um, yeah. So, you know, I just, I think that you, you, you can't be, you can't claim to be in fellowship with the Lord. You can't claim to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit um, and be in persistent, unrepentant rebellion. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, that's not to say that there can't be a Christian who's practicing yoga, but what it is to say is if, is if I'm a Christian and I'm practicing yoga and one of my brothers or sisters comes alongside me and says, Hey, listen, Dustin, uh, now, this is what the Bible says about these mm -hmm. kinds of things, right? This is what yoga teaches. It teaches that, you, that you're just God, you're God manifest and that you can recognize your inner deity. And, and, you know, did you know, by the way, that namaste means the God in me recognizes the God in you. Right. And just is, is kind of confronting me with these, these realities and say, you know, Hey, listen, this is what the Bible says, right? Mm -hmm. God shares his glory with no one. Uh, Deuteronomy 18 is, is a clear passage where, the things you're dabbling with here in yoga, even if you're, you don't intend to do that, yeah. um, you know, that's what's happening. And then what is the response, right? Because I, I think that um, the Christian who wants to obey the Lord, wants to live according to the Lord, wants to glorify him, is going to be confronted by those things and conviction is going to come. And they're going to say, you know what, if there's even a chance, if there's even a chance that the way I'm living my life um, is, is sinful, against the Lord, if it's grieving his spirit that I would do these things, I, I have to abandon it, you know? 
Yeah, I noticed that um, having a massage therapy background, uh, that most Christians, um, or if any uh, Christians are in massage therapy, um, most of them are not well informed. A lot of them are just going to Sunday service and, and picking up a few Bible verses. But if your life contradicts what scripture says, regardless of what you think, that your relationship, your relationship status is with God, you are in two areas. Number one, you've created an idol. You've created God in your own image. And number two, you're not reading the scriptures. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, yeah. Cause I don't see anywhere in scripture where guys like, Hey, it's perfectly fine for you to go ahead and just, you know, um, bend the knee on Buddha or, or bend the knee on, on, in, in Mithras or Hinduism, or he doesn't, he, he doesn't ever say to an Israelite to go ahead and just, you know, go into the buffet and pick up whatever you want. You know, what he says is that I'm the God who took you from slavery from Israel. Remember me. Right. Yeah. He's the one that says you bring me offerings. Right. We do ceremonial for me. You are my people. I'm taking you to the promised land. He never refers to a secondary person. He never refers to a third-year person. He never says, hey, I'm going to share my glory. Because we see in the book of John, he doesn't share his glory with no one. And so for them to say, hey, I'm, I'm able to do some sort of yoga practice, even though I'm focusing on Christ, that's, that's never been it. It's not like God told the Israelites to go and hang out with the Pharaoh, hang out with the, um, with the evildoers outside. It's not he's like, hey, go hang out with the pagans. Yeah. No, he, he said, actually, in Leviticus, he says, no, I don't want you to. In fact, what I want you to do is actually set yourself apart from the pagans. Yeah. So there was, there was a rule. There's a way of conduct that God uh, addressed his people to make sure they were a peculiar people and not just people who are going to intermingle with paganism. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think in, in, in the West, uh, in the modern, you know, American church, um, we've forgotten so much history. And, and I think one of the reasons that we see uh, things like this, like people that will say, I have a relationship with Jesus, um, but I'm also practicing paganism, which is what they're really saying when they mm -hmm. say that I, I also practice yoga. You know, partially, I, I think people are, like you were saying earlier, are, are, are ignorant of doctrine. They're ignorant of scripture, right? We've got a generation of people that were raised in these, um, uh, you know, these uh, youth groups, right? Where they were entertained instead of, instead of taught the word of God. Um, and so they've been really quick to abandon it, right? But the other thing is that the American evangelical church has really lost its, its roots to the Reformation in a lot of ways. Um, until, you know, we've seen a, a resurgence in, in Reformed theology, mm -hmm. um, which has just been a, a true blessing to, to my life uh, and to my wife's life. Uh, and the reason that I say that, the reason I bring that up is because of Sola Scriptura, right? Uh, that, that scripture alone is, is the infallible source uh, of, of our worship for the Lord. It's the infallible source of our doctrine. And so I've got to be measuring my life against the word of God. I've got to be building my life upon the word of God. And the word of God is sufficient for all of those things. It tells me how to walk with the Lord. It tells me how to worship him. It tells me um, what I am to do and what I am not to do, you know, when I'm in sin and when I'm walking with him. So if, if we've lost that, right, or if we're not rooted in that, you know, then you, I think you can drift into this kind of cultural Christianity, right, mm -hmm. that says, you know, hey, I grew up in the church, or 
you know, my family's a Christian family or whatever, or, you know, I walked an aisle and, and responded to an altar call and I prayed a prayer and, hey, you know, I'm definitely a Christian, right? And I think what we have to do and what we have to encourage people to do is exactly what, what Paul encourages us to do. He says, examine yourself to make sure that you're really in the faith. You know, I would encourage anyone uh, that, you know, fits that description that would, that would say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I'm practicing these things. And listen, it's not just Hinduism. If you're a Christian and you're practicing sexual immorality, yeah. right? If, if you're a Christian and you're comfortable lying, mm-hmm. if, if you're a Christian and you can be comfortable in any kind of sin, then you have reason to have fear and trembling because Absolutely. there's a good chance that you don't belong to the Lord. Amen. And so what I would encourage people to do is look, go and read first John, read it carefully, read it prayerfully, because he lays out there for us how we can know that we belong to the Lord. How do we know that we are really born again? And he says, do you love the Lord your God? And I mean, do you really love him? Not just the mm-hmm. benefits that you think you'll get, right? But do you love him? And, and how do we know that we love him? Jesus says we keep his commands, right? Amen. And so that's the second thing that John gives. Do you, do you keep his commands? And then thirdly, do you love the body of Christ? Do you love brethren? Really love them, right? I mean, Jesus said in John 17, he says, uh, this is the way that the world will know that the Father sent me, that when you, the body of Christ, love one another as, as I love the Father and the Father loves me, right? It, when you're mm-hmm. one as I and the Father are one. And so mm-hmm. we have to look at our lives and see, you know, it, does this describe us? Do mm-hmm. we love the Lord? Do we desire to keep his commands? And, and John, of course, is not talking about sinless perfection, Right. Right. Uh, it's clear in First John that he says, you know, if we say that we're without sin, we lie. You're lying. Right. But but do we are we living lives that are repentant? Like mm-hmm. does sin? Uh, uh, one um, there's a pastor that said this. Uh, it's actually Paul Washer. I don't know if you're familiar, but um, uh, Very familiar. He, yeah, <laughs> I love. Listen, man, Paul Washer. <laughs> Uh, his shocking youth sermon, I found that probably a month or two after I got saved, and it completely shaped uh, my, my theology. It, it shaped everything about the way that I, I, I moved forward in the Christian walk. And, and one of the things he says there is, you know, do you love the things that God loves and hate the things that God hates? Mm-hmm. Um, another great friend of mine at, at, at my church, um, he says it this way. He says, um, has your relationship to sin changed, Right. In other words, uh, are, are you comfortable in sin? Could you care less about sin? Uh, or when you sin, does it break your heart? Does it grieve you because you have sinned against the, the one who redeemed and saved you, the one who bled for you, the one who laid down his life for you and raised it up again, right? Because if you can be comfortable in sin, the Bible says there's a really good chance that you don't belong to him. I think Paul Washer affected me so much because I've never met someone who who preached with so much conviction, uh, with someone who was willing to get in your face and and tell you, um, don't tell me that you went witnessing or you did missionary work in Africa for two weeks, took a few photos, uploaded on the internet, and then come back and say you had a you know, a really great time or that your time was horrible. It was really hard. He said, how about you get down to Ecuador? How about you go down to the deep parts of the jungle of those who are not saved, who never heard the gospel, where you can't beautify your experience. I remember listening to Andy Mineo, who says that 
people who go off and do missionary work for two weeks, he responds and says, it's cute, right? Because you go out to a foreign place, Dominican Republic, Africa, wherever the place may be, they only know you for just two weeks. So in their eyes, they probably see you as this um, spiritual, like hyper Christian, like, wow, I want to be like him. Like right after Christ and the apostles and Billy Graham's, you're, you're the next person. But you, you can't be like that back home in your neighborhood where everyone knows your sin, where your husband or wife knows who you are, right? And so what we do, we, we, we escape, go far out and do missionary work when you could be doing missionary work right in your local neighborhood. Yeah, amen. I, I think a great question for people to ask themselves, you know, is whose glory am I doing this for, right? Mm-hmm. Do, do I want people to view me? Do I want people to view me as super spiritual or as a, as a good Christian? Or do I want Christ to be exalted? You know, do, do I want his name to be magnified? And, and do I have a heart, a, a, a heart for the lost, right? Do I understand what it means to be apart from Christ, to, be, to have the wrath of God abiding on you because of your sin? Mm. And does that, does that make me want to proclaim the gospel of reconciliation, be reconciled to God through his son. Um, and, and, you know, you, you sort of touched on this, man, but one thing I've been really thinking a lot about is, you know, the, the, the world needs the gospel. There's no doubt about that. And, and there are unreached peoples. And, and I'm, I praise God that there are people that want to not just go for two weeks, but devote their lives, you know, to, to going into these hard places, these, uh, these jungle areas, uh, of the world and learning the language, learning the culture, uh, yeah. and then proclaiming the gospel, pr- planning a biblical church. But I got to tell you, man, I'm deeply, deeply concerned about the American church. I think, I think we have so much apostasy in the American church. Um, so much, so many wolves in sheep's clothing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, coming out of the new age, man, it's, you know, it, it's everywhere. New Age doctrine has infiltrated the church in a serious way. And, you know, you, you look at your, you know, churches like Bethel, even Elevation, uh, going back to, you know, Kenneth Copeland and, and these kind of guys, um, there are serious, serious issues with these churches, and they've got thousands and thousands of members, and they're teaching New Age doctrines. You know, Joel Osteen mm-hmm. is teaching the law of attraction, you know. That, that, you, that you can take the, the, the name of the Lord, the great I am, and, and, and sort of manipulate that to your own benefit. So he wants mm-hmm. to teach you things that, that, that I used to practice, you know, when I was in the new age, right? I am healthy. I am wealthy. You know, I am successful. And sort of having these affirmations, um, that's sorcery, man. That's, that's witchcraft. And uh, it's certainly not the gospel. And you know, I'm, I'm deeply, deeply concerned that um, a great majority of our churches uh, are, are lost. I, I think we have a lot of people who do not know the God that they claim to worship. I don't um, think so either. I, I think I want to interject there was because um, if you go into scripture like Matthew chapter 8, verse 1 to 4, it says, When Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him, and a leopard came to him and bowed down before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. 
Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I am willing to be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one, but go show yourself to the priest and present the offering that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Jesus didn't say here, you can make yourself healed or you can heal yourself. Yeah. It, it clearly states here that I am willing. And the, 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 the gentleman who had leprosy understood that if you are willing, he understood that he couldn't heal himself. He understood that he couldn't do yeah. anything for himself, but to reach for Christ. And that was just in response to what you were saying or piggybacking off what you were saying that these prosperity preachers, word of faith, they, they manipulate the word of God into thinking that we're somehow little gods. I remember listening to Creflo Dollars and he said that, um, you know, if we're created in the image of God, then, mm. then that makes us little gods. Yeah. And that is just a distortion of scripture. That's blasphemy. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, and you uh, know, go ahead. And I, I think, I think, well, there's like another follow-up to that. I understand that like Mormons believe that we're like, you know, lowercase g's based off like, I think Psalms 80, 87 or 89, where, yeah. um, you know, he says that, you know, I would treat you like gods, but he wasn't saying that we are gods, but that I would treat mm -hmm. you like gods and you would die like men. Yeah. So. Yeah. And he's talking to the, to the judges, of course, exactly. right? Yep. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's, that's actually another verse uh, or passage of scripture that, that, that people in the new age who sort of borrow from Christianity will point to and they'll okay. say, look, you know, you know, Jesus affirms that, you know, that, that you're a part of God manifest, you know, but the thing is that they're, they're never, it's you, what you never find uh, in, in the new age or, or, you know, even in Mormonism um, is careful exegesis, right? Uh, looking at scripture contextually, understanding um, anything at all about the original language or the, or the overarching, you know, can canonical context mm. of a passage. There's just no concern for that, no care for that. And, you know, that's why they'll, they'll cherry pick. And, and look, I, I say this because I'm guilty of this. I, I used to say, look, the Bible says, be still and know that I am God, right? I said, be still, meditate, empty your mind. Oh, right? wow. Yeah. So you would, you would, you would think that that's actually like a, recit a recitation for yep. yourself, not yeah. well, acknowledgement of God. Yeah. Or, 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 or at least a, a call to bringing stillness, emptying the mind. Right. Okay. Uh, you know, um, it's, it's, it's easy to, you know, cherry pick and twist and manipulate scripture. We find that, that Satan himself does that when he, when he tempts, uh, Jesus uh, in the wilderness, um, mm -hmm. one of the main ways that he tempts him is to twist the scripture. And I think one of the things that we can take away from that, that's so very helpful and has been so impactful for me in my, my own personal uh, walk with the Lord is that every single time he does that, the Lord responds with properly exegeted, properly understood scripture, yeah. right? Um, you know, when you look at something like, you, know, you look at the armor of God and, uh, you know, the, the only element of the armor of God that is offensive is the word of truth, right? We have mm -hmm. the word of God, which is sharper than any two-edged sword. That, that is our weapon in spiritual warfare. We've got to have it stored up in our hearts and in our minds. We have to be meditating upon that, not emptying our minds and opening ourselves up to false doctrines. Um, but, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm in total agreement with you about all the prosperity preachers and, uh, you know, uh, the hyper charismatics and, and all those things. But I even have concerns, you know, 
about the Southern Baptist Convention and, and, and things like that. You know, mm-hmm. um, organizations that have historically been uh, more more conservative. You know, I, I'm, you know, you see what's going on uh, in in the American church, and and you have to wonder um, what would happen if, if real persecution came our way. You know, I, I think there would be a great purging. Uh, in the American church, if mm-hmm. we were to endure any kind of real persecution, because um, people are not standing on scripture. And, and I'm, I'm speaking really broadly here. I don't mean that to say that there are no faithful churches. There absolutely are. And, uh, you know, there are some great uh, men of God out there who are, who are proclaiming uh, the true gospel and preaching it um, unapologetically and boldly and, and, and praise God for that. And, and we need more of that you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So it's not to say that, that there are no, you know, true and good churches out there, man, but, but, you know, it's Matthew seven, right? Not everyone who says to me on that day, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my father who is in heaven, right? Mm-hmm. And he says, Jesus says, many, many are going to come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord, did we not, you know, do wonderful works in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness or you, you workers of iniquity. Yeah. And so, you know, in, in, in uh, Hebrew culture, uh, you know, they emphasized, uh, put emphasis on things by, by repetition, right? So where in our modern Western society, we might raise our voice or, or if we're typing, we might bold or italicize or something like that. In the Hebrew culture, they would repeat things, which is why when it says that, that God is holy, 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 we're saying he is the most holy. There is, there is nothing more holy than the Lord, nothing more separate, nothing more righteous, nothing more sinless, nothing more perfect, right? And so when Jesus says, many on that day are going to say to me, Lord, Lord, that means they're emphatically calling him Lord. These people, if you say, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, you know, these aren't I, people... I, I, yeah, I'm sorry to cut you there. I I just said I was listening. I was reading um R.C. Sproul's book, um, The Holiness of God, and he says that, uh, holy, holy, holy. It's the only time in Scripture where God is ever, um, yeah. and repeated three times. And and whenever in and what you're saying, Lord, Lord, it's usually an acknowledgement to someone they know. And mm-hmm. so like Romans one, um, towards the last in the last verse, it says that even though they knew God, they applaud those who practice evil deeds. And so Lord, Lord, it's like, Lord, I know who you are. Mm-hmm. I know because I've heard of you and I've at one point worshiped you and now I'm being sent to hell. Well, it's not because you didn't know him. It's because you did know him and you chose to rebel. You chose to live in sin. Yeah. I mean, I, and I think of, uh, you know, James, right? So James says, uh, you believe that uh, the Lord, your God is one. You do well. The demons also believe that, and they mm. tremble, right? <laughs> so, so belief, in other words, intellectual assent, knowledge is not sufficient. It, it, being saved, being regenerated and redeemed by God requires repentance and faith. You know, look, you can have the, the, the best doctrine in the world and still be unsaved, right? Yeah. And still have not bent the knee to Christ. Um, and, you know, that's, uh, that's what I'm, I'm concerned about, uh, in, in the modern church is that 
it's really two things. It's, it's, it's an absence of, of knowledge, you know, I mean, you know, and I, where is it that, that the, uh, the Lord says, uh, my people, my people perish Hosea. for lack of knowledge. Yeah. So I, you know, I think we see that uh, on the one hand where people are just, they're ignorant of scripture. And, and when we're ignorant of scripture, we are highly uh, impressionable, right? It's mm. easy for us. We can't identify false doctrine if we don't know the word of God, right? We need to be like the Bereans. We need to be testing everything that we learn from, from some teacher against the word of God uh, to sort it out whether or not it's true. And if we just did that, I think the American church would make a whole lot of progress. And here's the thing too, you know, you're going to find things in scripture that, that um, you'd rather not see, right? Mm-hmm. The scripture is going to convict you. It, it's going to show you who you are. It's going to show you the character and the holiness of God. And if you haven't reached a point where you understand that there is an infinite chasm between you as a human and the holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, then you, you haven't met him yet, right? There's, and, a, there's a quote that says, um, as you read the Bible, the Bible is reading you, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think uh, another pastor says, if you want to feel offended immediately, go read the Beatitudes, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so hey, you read the Beatitudes three chapters in and you're like, oh, this is not, I don't feel like I want to read this anymore. Um, a few minutes left. Uh, I kind of want to land this, but I also want to say something before I do. Uh, I agree with what you're saying. And I also agree that there's a lot of people who are compromising their walk with Christ. You know, um, a mm-hmm. lot of people who are being very careless with the words they're saying. Um, I've heard many Christians who say they read their Bibles or, or they love God, but I hear them talking very funny, right? They're, they're using stuff like, you know, uh, I guess energy. They're using a lot of Hindu um, terminologies, a lot of uh, Buddhistic, I guess, um, I don't know, thought, right? Um, some of them might even go as far as picking up books by Eckhart Tolle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the Power of Touch, or they might listen to Oprah Winfrey. And we've become super careless. And uh, I want to just encourage everyone who's listening, please, Examine all things, First John chapter 4. Examine all things. Test all things. Do not be careless. Um, even the Bereans in Acts 17 um, examine the words of Paul. And Paul even says, don't even take it from me, right? He just, he, he's, he's look through the scriptures. Test your pastor. Test your friends. Test me. Uh, test Dustin, right? Do not be careless. Do not allow um, your mind to just take in anything. And do not just piggyback off it. But... Dustin, um, what would you encourage um, listeners right now to, to do um, to better prepare themselves for, I guess, conversations with people who are in the New Age movement? Yeah. Um, so I would say you, you've got to know the Word of God. You know, it doesn't mean you have to be some kind of expert or anything like that, but you need to know the truth. You need to know the gospel. You know why we need the gospel. Uh, I would say you need to understand the depravity of man, Right need to understand that, that we are in a sinful, fallen state. We're in desperate need of a Savior. We have no hope outside of Christ. And I would say be, be able and ready to articulate that uh, to anyone. Because whether someone is in the New Age or, 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 in a, or in some other religion, you know, if they're apart from Christ, their condition is the same. And they can be self-deceived. They can think they're on a path to enlightenment. But at the end of the day, uh, they're dead in their trespasses and sins 
right? And they, they need a spiritual resurrection. Um, now, if you want to specifically reach people in the new age, uh, I think it is definitely helpful. Um, just as if you wanted to reach Muslims, I would say you need to understand uh, Islam, right? It's the same thing. If, if I want to reach people that are in the new age, um, you know, I need a certain level of understanding of, of what they might believe. Most of them believe in, in some form of reincarnation. So uh, it's a little bit different right now with the whole COVID situation going on. But, mm -hmm. but, but pre-COVID, uh, some, some guys uh, from my church and, and myself go, go to downtown Atlanta uh, once a week and, and we share the gospel with people down there. And I run into New Age people all the time uh, in the Lord's providence. And so, you know, coming from that world, I, I'm prepared to talk to them and, and to address um, their beliefs and, and their questions and things like that. Um, but one thing for people that, that believe in some form of reincarnation, what I always ask them is, is by what standard, right? And here's what I mean by that. Let, let's say that, that, um, that when I die, I'm going to be reincarnated, right? And they'll all say, you know, my, my good is going to get weighed against my bad, right? And if I've, if I've done enough good, I'll get a better life. And and if I've done more bad than good, I'm, I'm going to get, you know, I'll get born again. I'll get, or not born again. I'll get reborn and, <laughs> and, and I'll get another chance. But, you know, it might be, you know, I might kind of sort of go down a rung on the ladder in my next life. And, and the question is, well, who decides that? Who decides that? And what's the standard that they use, right? Uh, and I think when you start really pressing in on that question, it becomes clear that they have no standard, right? They, they have to admit that, there, that in order for that to even be true, in order for that to even be possible, there would have to be some standard by which you could, your life could be measured against to determine whether or not you should get a good next life or, or a bad next life. Mm. And, and so then what I generally do from there is, is say, you know, like, you know, let's walk through the, the commandments of, of God. If God judges you by these commandments, right, where are you going to land, Right. And, and so a great resource on that, I know we're kind of running out of time here, but for anybody that doesn't know, definitely check out Ray Comfort, check out The Way of the Master. Uh, he has a YouTube channel called uh, Living Waters. Mm -hmm. If anybody's not familiar, you know, I'm, I'm not affiliated in any way, but I've, but I've benefited <laughs> tremendously from that ministry, just, just um, getting a, a real good, solid biblical approach to evangelism uh, has, has been so, so very helpful. And um, I mean, so yeah, that's just a couple of things. That's, that's how I, I would approach it. Um, get to know what, what they believe, uh, understand that they are in a fallen condition. They're not an enemy, mm -hmm. you know, don't get wrapped up into an argument. I know I've been guilty of that sometimes, you know, trying to win the argument instead of, uh, instead of glorify God, right? Um, be willing to look foolish, you know, the, the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Right. Um, but proclaim the gospel, just be faithful and, and understand that God is sovereign, right? When, you, when we proclaim the gospel, uh, if, if the Father is drawing that person, the Holy Spirit will bring conviction, he will bring regeneration, and, and they will uh, come to the good shepherd, right? Uh, all of his sheep hear his voice, and they all come to him. And so uh, it's like in Mark, I think Mark 4, we need to sow the seeds and, and go to sleep, right? Yeah. Absolutely, man. Hey, Dustin, man, I really appreciate you coming in and stepping in. Um, there was something I wanted to ask, but I guess I'll hold that up for the, the next time we get together. Um, if anybody has any questions for Dustin, anything you want me to follow up with the part two, you guys are more than welcome to uh, direct message me on Instagram. Um, you also can go ahead and do that for my email, 
and we'll follow up and maybe, you know, get together and do a part two. I think I've benefited from this conversation. Um, and I, I appreciate your time, Dustin. I really do. No, thank you, man. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure and I uh, look forward to talking to you again sometime. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, that will wrap it up. In the meantime, may the grace of God and the peace of the Holy Spirit guide you guys into all blessings. Until next time, catch you guys later.